How tight was Jesus' connection to the Father? Pastor Ray Bentley explains today here on Maranatha Radio. Jesus claimed to be the embodiment of the wisdom of God. That's heavy. Jesus, who had been in the councils of the Godhead on the day of creation, Jesus is claiming that equality with the one by whom he had been sent. Spread news of his people coming down before the king. Lift your voice, Jesus is coming, join the song. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Jesus communed with the Father. He and the Father were of like mind. But it goes further than that. It wasn't just that His wisdom was equal to that of the Father. His wisdom was the embodiment, the flesh and blood representation of the wisdom of the Father. We'll see how that affects us today. Here's Pastor Ray. Luke chapter 11, the title of the message, The Wisdom of God is Jesus. Beginning in uh, verse 45, let me just read a few verses to you. It says, then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. And he said, woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Okay, Jesus is unloading upon the Pharisees, upon the scribes, the scribes were those who would write the laws and write the commentaries and so forth. Uh, the Pharisees were basically your, the religious. So as Jesus speaks here, he is convicting. Um, and there are some of those who are listening and they're used to the conviction being pointed to you know, the people that aren't coming to the synagogues and listening to their sermons and following their ways. But Jesus turns, and by what he's saying, he's convicting the religious community, he's convicting the priests, he's convicting the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the, the lawyers of the law itself. And that's as it should be. The Word of God, it, it should convict all of us, should convict all of us to have tender hearts uh, toward the Lord and toward the things of His Spirit. And what I love here about Jesus he says that the lawyers had great ability in finding fault with others, but they were not so great about uh, humbling themselves and saying, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I. And I think what irritated Jesus, and the, you know, surely he was irritated as he pronounces all these woes upon the shepherds of ancient Israel, is guys, could there not be a little humility among you? Here is the Messiah whom you have all been teaching week by week, year after year, decade after decade. And, and you have made a kind of a club that, that is self-serving and that is oblivious to the people and your interpretations of the law have made it a heavy burden to the people to follow after God. 
And, and it, you should be the ones that are lifting burdens off people. You should be making walking with God and having a relationship with God something that the people are envious of, desirous of. Say, man, I, I want to be like you. And the way you teach me, I can be like you. Rather than so greater than. Now, what I do find interesting here is uh, notice how direct Jesus is with his sins. Not only, you know, he called sin the way it was. And he didn't soften it. Um, I think that it was a little startling for the Pharisees and the religious leaders to find themselves the target of some of Jesus' criticism. And just think about how Jesus handled this situation. There are those today that would have said to Jesus, look, by, by talking the way you are, you're going to offend a lot of powerful and influential people, which is only going to get worse as time goes on. What, what our management team recommends that you do is if you could just round some of those hard edges, soften down the tone, uh, not, not be so harsh and convicting so that they feel good about themselves, uh, this will do you well in the end, which is where we uh, think that you are headed. <laughs> Jesus would have none of that. And, and this was not done out of, of a lack of love. To the contrary, Jesus loved these men. And so his straightforwardness, his directness to them, please do not misinterpret this that, you know, hey, I'm mad at you because I don't care about you. No. The truth of the matter is he pierced some of them. He won some of the Pharisees over. He transformed some of the Sadducees who did not believe in the supernatural that saw the miracles of Jesus. And trust me, there are Sadducees who followed Jesus Christ that before had been nothing but materialists, became believers. And you'll meet your brothers that are in heaven that are Sadducees. And some that were into politics. Politics is the answer. And boy, though, you know, the, the, the leaven of Herod what we need is we need to get in there and we need to, you know, get it done and take it over and, and establish it. And, you know, well, there, there is, again, we have to find that balance. Every generation of believers has to find that balance. How do we be salt? How do we be light? But how do we avoid the leaven of Herod thinking that on earth we can establish God's kingdom rather than thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus did not soften his stance upon sin. When he saw sin, he denounced it. He denounced it directly. And I think that's what love does. Love, we are to speak the truth in love. There are many people that think that actually telling a little bit of a lie, as long as you tell it in a nice soft voice, is what it is. No, speak the truth. And then there are other people that just speak the truth and they're blasting people left and right, but there's no love in it. Uh, the, the real secret is to speak the truth in love. Jesus did both perfectly. Amen? And that's where we need to, Father, help us. Uh, in your sphere of influence, as you are, you are a unique witness for Jesus Christ. 
And we're kind of here like little grains of salt in the salt shaker. And then, you know, when we say our last song and we close in prayer, it's like the salt gets shaken out of the shaker. And you go into your, into your work and into your community and into your sphere of influence, you're a grain of salt that is to take this message of Jesus and how do I speak the truth in love? And may I also say, we cannot be afraid of confrontation. So that's what Jesus is doing. He's trying to shake a system that had been now enshrouded from the time of, you know, of, of Moses and the mountain and the Shekinah and the glory and the Ten Commandments and, and uh, the, the building of the tabernacle and the, the glory of God and the miracles that happened in the wilderness had now been enshrouded with, with generational systems of men and the heaviness and the burdens of men and the interpretations of men and the applications that they had come up with and, and the Holy Spirit and his light could barely penetrate. Jesus was throwing it all off. He's shaking it all up. And so it is, it's powerful, it's dynamic, it is confrontational, it is spirit-filled. And you go in, this can be in your community, this can be in your home, this can be in your village, this can be in your city. Uh, you've got to have a spirit of boldness to take it on, and, then, and it's not in your strength or power, it's in the strength and power of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, that's essentially, and we don't do it alone. But here, as part of the body of Christ, we are claiming this part of where we live uh, and all the communities we come from, we claim our neighborhoods for Christ and we claim our schools for Christ. So I'm just trying to give you, this is what Jesus is, as it were, shaking uh, the, this dark mantle of religiosity. And if I might add, you know, from the, fair, the Sadducees, kind of this materialistic philosophy, people get disappointed with religion and God and they say, well, it's just all about materialism and money. Anyway, well, then he shook that, and then he shook the political deal with the leaven of Herod all the way to the core. So, verse 49, look at this with me. Therefore, and this is a very interesting verse. Look very carefully at verse 49. This is the most important verse of the night. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles and some of them they will kill and persecute. Now, what, what is this? Where Jesus says, therefore the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles and some of them they will kill and persecute. Well, I put into your notes, Matthew 23, verse 34. Let's read this scripture, Matthew 23, 34. Let's read this out loud together. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. You know who's talking in verse uh, 34 of Matthew, chapter 23? Jesus. Jesus is talking. Therefore, in Luke 11, verse 49, when Jesus says, the wisdom of God said such and such, who is Jesus talking about? He's talking about himself. What is Jesus calling himself? The wisdom of God. Jesus claimed to be the embodiment of the wisdom of God. That's heavy. 
Jesus, who had been in the councils of the Godhead on the day of creation, Jesus, who expressed the mind of the Father, is able to speak authoritatively. They are in the process of arguing with not only Jesus, they're arguing with the wisdom of God. How many admit it's not a good idea to argue with God himself and his wisdom? And Jesus says, you're arguing with the wisdom of God when he's quoting himself, which is me. So here is another, you might want to mark this one, Luke eleven forty nine. 49, another one of those thrilling scriptures where the Savior is identifying himself with the Almighty and is claiming that equality with the one by whom he had been sent. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. Pastor Ray was such a devoted servant of the Most High God and is now in the presence of his best friend and Savior, Jesus Christ. He ran the race and finished the course set before him. My love to the Bentley family and to Maranatha Ministries. Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website, www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now in verses 50 and 51, Jesus, he speaks of the death of Abel. Well, Abel's the first son killed, right? In the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve. Cain killed Abel. Well, it just so happens that Zechariah, his death is recorded in 2 Chronicles. Now, you and I wouldn't know this because our Bible, the Old Testament anyway, is arranged differently, but in a Jewish Old Testament, which is at this time all there was, right? When Jesus was there, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. It's still being lived. Did you know that in the Jewish Bible, the last book of the Jewish Bible is 2 Chronicles? So what Jesus was saying from the death of Abel and, and there from the Garden of Eden to the death of Zechariah, he's going, the first one that was killed to the last one that was killed will be required of this generation. Why? Because they're getting ready now to kill none other than the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the very wisdom of God. He infers that they would be held responsible for all that had happened from Abel to Zechariah for what was about to happen by the Messiah himself and his death. Because their sin, though they hadn't killed Abel and they didn't kill Zechariah, but their kind, their mentality had. And that's what would set up his own death when they cried, crucify him, crucify him. 
Now, had they any wisdom truly from God, they would have asked forgiveness. They would have asked at least for understanding. They would have said, help us. We don't know what you are saying and we don't know why have all the prophets been killed? And they've been killed by the religious people who should have been the shepherds of Israel. What it shows that those who are the true servants of God are usually rejected by the people who need their ministry the most of all. And it's a sad fact that too often the religious leaders are the ones that are most against those who are stirring the pot as it were, but they're actually bringing and bearing the truth of God's word. So in closing, verses 52 through 54, and we'll close with these verses. Jesus says, woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge You did not enter in yourselves and those who were entering in, you hindered. And as he said these things to them, the scribes and Pharisees were pierced to the heart. They humbled themselves and began begging for forgiveness with all they had within them. Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. Oh man, what did they do? Those scribes and Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him and something he might say so that they might accuse him. How sad. These guys were supposed to be the ones, again, verse 52, uh, he says, you've taken away the key of knowledge. He goes, it's bad enough that you guys are headed toward darkness and separation from God. He goes, but what makes it worse is that you hinder other people from wanting to know God. And that's a sad, sad state of affairs. There is a great need for the, the, you know, I like what uh, my pastor, Chuck Smith says, simply teaching the Bible, simply. Simply teaching the Bible, simply. There is a great need for, by the way, more than just me. My, my goal is not to have as many people as I possibly can come to hear Ray Bentley. If that is all that ever happens, then I've missed the mark. My goal, yes, I am called as a shepherd, an under-shepherd of Jesus Christ, the true shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. But I will only be successful if I have hundreds of others who go out, both here locally, in homes, and cafes, and in you know, various places, and you begin teaching the word, simply teaching the Bible simply. Starting with, may I say, your own family. The responsibility, according to the scriptures, of passing the faith from one generation to the next lies with the parents. You must, you don't have a choice about it. You can't disciple your kids just one hour a week on a Sunday morning. Or praise God if you come twice to church a week and you come Wednesday nights as well. It has to be something that is, you know, you you have to own the faith and live it day by day by day and then be teaching it on a daily basis, discipling. But also, yes, it must be taught in in a discipleship uh, mode, in, in small groups. And I want to encourage you. And, and I, I know there's some people that think, I, I just don't know enough of the Bible. Let me just give you this. God never asks you to share what you don't know. He only wants you to share what you actually do know. <laughs> Isn't that a relief? 
You don't have to share what you don't know. But you can share what you do know and you can pass it on. There are those that say, but I don't know Greek. I don't know Hebrew. Where did Jesus say you need to learn Hebrew and Greek before you teach others? It doesn't say that. And I'm not saying, and I, believe me, I, I have a great respect for those who are called to scholarship and to know Greek and to know Hebrew and the books they put together and to use the gifts and the mind that God has given to them and they give insights into archeology span and culture and custom and language that, that then get put into commentaries that are, that are a great resource, wonderful. But you know what? The Bible was written in such a way that experts in both Hebrew and Greek have already done the work for us. And they have used their best ability at translating Hebrew and Greek into our language called the English language. So that you can read the Bible simply verse by verse and teach others what it plainly says in our own language. And minister to people and encourage people and disciple people and bless people and apply what we have already understood. And I think that, that it's such a great need, even just to facilitate and say, look, I am no great Bible teacher or leader, but I can facilitate, I can have people in my home. We can read a few verses together and say, what is God speaking to you about this? And what is God speaking to me? And let's pray and let's, let's live it and let's apply it, amen? So I encourage you toward that very end, an encouragement toward discipleship. There are many that, uh, unfortunately, they ended up opposing the Lord and they should have been seeking the Lord and seeking his mercy. They, they tried to catch him with all these catch questions, trying to find something they could accuse him of heresy. And, and uh, you remember that they did test him and they questioned him and they couldn't find anything. The religious leaders couldn't. They got a few to trump up some lies, but they really couldn't find any fault in him. Even Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Even Judas who betrayed him said, I betrayed innocent blood. He is without sin. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who in religious systems today try to interpret and apply the word in such a way that, you know, they try to mold people into their image. But the purpose of the Bible is to mold us into the image of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of freedom, there's a lot of grace, there's a lot of mercy, there's a lot of love. And people, when the word is simply taught simply, people fall in love with Jesus. That's what should happen. The Holy Spirit and his ministry, as you read the word, is to point you to Jesus. And then when you see Jesus, you fall in love with him. And the more you fall in love with him, the more you wanna, hey, I'm gonna try to be more like him. And as you try, in little ways to be more like him, then you are filled with the Holy Spirit to be more like him. And uh, it, it just grows on you. And you know, that's what's gonna make eternity so exciting. We're gonna just be going further up and further in to the amazing love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Great encouragement today on sharing the love of God with those around us. Pastor Ray Bentley leading our study of Luke chapter 11 here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, The Wisdom of God is Jesus. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
www.thepeopleofgod.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his new book called The Final Witness, an eye-opening prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full five-book series called The Elijah Chronicles. You can, too. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.